0: We've got our
1: take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show.
0: Yo, what's cracking everybody? James go Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Perception the Show. All right, man. We got a um, very productive. Uh, Week number eight that we just cleared out here, obviously, as you're going to be listening to this, we have not yet watched uh, Monday Night Football, but uh, it's all good. Lots to react to here, Matt. Uh, But you know what? I I felt like this was a week where, for the most part, we had most of our stars show up and play like stars. It It was a good week across the board, I thought, from the NFL, from an offensive standpoint. Obviously, some glaring holes there. Um, here and there, which we will certainly get to, especially there in Green Bay. Uh, but it was a fun weekend. Of, weekend of football, man. Yeah, uh, pretty good offensive weekend from everybody except the two New
1: York teams uh, who engaged in. I'm <laughs> oh, sure I, you've I, already forgotten. I'm sure yeah, I don't even want to about think
0: it. about it. I don't even want to think about it, man. I don't even want. To think, it's so bad. Yeah, a game that featured more
1: punts than points uh, oh between goodness, the New York Jets and New York Giants. Uh, a game where Horrible. the leading receiver for the Giants were. Darren Waller, who left the game immediately, and Matt Breida, each of whom caught one pass for four yards. So, yeah, that game did happen. (laughs) Uh, Man, God almighty, the Giants are a brutal operation right now. Uh, And they could have won that game. They very well could have won that game, which is outrageous. Uh, But, yeah, no, otherwise, I thought Week 8 was really, really good. Um, You know, Joe Burr and the Bengals, I think, look like they're officially back right Um, right some of these like number two receivers that we've been talking about like what's going on with these guys they sort of started to punch back right like Jahan Dotson Devontae Smith Jalen Waddle they all had big games Um, so yeah look I think this is sort of the time of the year when things can start to normalize a little bit like some of it is just like this is the new reality for some of these teams right for some of these contenders though it's like all right this is when we get down to business, right? Like I think obviously with the Bengals, it's, they've been dealing with an injury with Joe Burrow, like kind of a, a cataclysmic sort of situation there with that whole deal. And right. I think it was right to point out that he looked rough and the outlook was rough as long as he looked like that um, against, you know, against teams early in the season when he was dealing with the calf injury, but comes back roaring off the buy. And now it's like, all right, the Bengals are back to expectations. Right. And these are the games that really matter for this team. And there's, that's the, case for several of these other contenders as well
0: yeah i mean especially for the Bengals. i mean we didn't even see a fully healthy t higgins and the offense looked really good um against the niners defense that you know say whatever you want i know they're struggling as of late but overall still a very good unit uh they there in the bay area right so um as that team starts to get healthier obviously they're starting to look uh, a lot more like the afc super bowl contender that we thought Uh, that the Bengals might look like. Um, Man, I want to talk about A.J. Brown. It's an interesting debate right now, right? Because both A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill are on pace for 2,000-plus receiving yards. It's never happened in the NFL. And quite frankly, I think we would be talking about A.J. Brown a lot more if it wasn't for the brilliance of Tyreek Hill. Um but it's an interesting, you know, kind of thought experiment that I, that uh, I've seen going on online and of course got to ask our wide receiver guy Matt Harmon here, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, if you're starting a franchise, who are you going with?
1: Oh uh, man. <laughs> That's a <laughs> really 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 difficult question. Um not for nothing too like if we're saying start a franchise, uh huh. Um, Tyreek Kill's a little bit older, right? He's 29 okay. years old. AJ Brown is 26 years old. Um, he just turned 26, I think, over the summer, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, that does if we're to, if we're talking about start a franchise that theoretically should come into into play. If like I'm starting a team that I'm going to build around for the next great point. Yeah, I think if I'm like drafting a team to play on Sunday, I think I'm probably not caring as much about that age, and then I'm just comparing skill set. Man, this is really difficult because I think both (laughs) these guys are like elite level players. Uh, You know, I said that going into the season, they were among they were in my elite tier of real life NFL receivers. And by the way, like I think both of these guys not to toot reception perception's horn, but kind of to toot reception perception's horn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, hey, it's it's what I do, right? I should at least tell you when when things go well. Right. These are two guys that showed elite, capital E, elite traits before breaking out, right? Like the big one is obviously Stefan Diggs that, you know, he showed elite level RP metrics before getting to Buffalo, right. where he then became established as an elite player uh, based on the stats and everything like that. But – right obviously it was in RP where he was like top five success rate versus man and press. Like AJ Brown was that guy in Tennessee too, right? You know, he was up there. If you just look at his uh, first few seasons in 2020, 79% success rate versus man, 81.6 against press. Like that's elite level stuff. That was the second season. Um mm-hmm. Tyree Kill, right, I always talk about his rookie season, was, was he a gadget player, but he had an 80% success rate versus press in his rookie season. Like These were elite-level markers before it was kind of obvious, and I think obviously these guys have just stayed in that elite tier since then. I think if I'm picking one, again, to like play a game on Sunday, I think I'm going to go with Tyree Kill on that one just because okay. I truly think he changes the math. Um, I do too. And and look, I mean, you're obviously dedicating extra resources to A.J. Brown, but we have quite literally seen Tyreek Hill split double teams two weeks in a row now. And double yeah. coverage is, is kind of a little more rare than people think. Like we think like, oh, yeah, they're just doubling the number one receiver on every play. No, not even close. That yeah. doesn't really happen. But, I mean, Hill can beat double teams really like nobody else can. And, you know, just generally, again, he's such a great – route runner he's so great in contested situations and he's just got speed for days in like the yak department that I think he is probably the most valuable like rece- most maybe the most valuable player non-quarterback to his individual offense I think it probably would be between him and McCaffrey and I think AJ Brown's probably up there but I think there's a, a touch more of like what Tyreek brings to the table that's slightly different
0: you know, what's really interesting um, about what you saw, saw in terms of the RP metrics um, for both of these guys, too, it, I feel like regardless of, uh, of how you felt about them as players, I think the general consensus was, first of all, early in their careers, you talk about Tyreek Hill, is he a gadget guy? And the RP metrics said, absolutely not. It, to a lesser degree, I think AJ Brown also was fighting that a little bit in Tennessee. Not gadget player, but just raw athlete player. And when you say raw athlete, uh, you're in also indicating he's not that great of a technician. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think reception perception showed no early on. No, this guy's a very technically sound player as well. Um, and again, I know the whole we we got into the whole analytics wars last week. <laughs> But again, the idea that Tyreek Hill is "quote unquote" just fast is at this point in his career, it's just it's outrageous. Come on, guys! Like, what are we doing out here? You know, like we've seen a lot of guys that are freaking fast that are not good wide receivers. Okay, like come on, yeah. What is going on? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and he's always been.
1: A way better route runner i think that people give him credit for you know he's cleared 75 percent success rate versus man in every season since 2018 and it wasn't like he was that far off in his first two seasons either so um he's been up there with the big boys in terms of his ability to beat man coverage i mean he's been over 80 percent success rate versus press in all but one season in the nfl which is incredible that's so stuff like those are again That's when you are jumping into the elite tier, when you are in reception, perception, and you're over 75% success rate versus man, and you're over 80% success rate versus press. And oh, by the way, he's also cleared 80% success rate versus zone in all but one season in the NFL. I mean, that is truly, these are the elite tier of receivers. Tyreek Hill belongs in that group. You don't need me to tell you that. Um, but I really do think the move from Kansas City – and he was great with the Chiefs, right? I think absolutely he was almost like overcasted as a deep threat in Kansas City because uh-huh. you're playing with Patrick Mahomes and like he can put the ball in places that other quarterbacks just physically cannot do it in right. stride, right? Like to a guy like Tyreek Hill run down the field. But the way that Miami and this offense has – shined a light on his uh skills as an in-breaking route runner um the way he was working over the middle stuff like that that really has been sort of um it's it's beyond the fact that like oh wow he's not just productive but like stupid productive with uh, a quarterback in Tua that well like, I think Tua is a really good player I think he's a, a, a really good quarterback but he's not Patrick Holmes right it was just like okay can right. he still be productive with Tua I mean, not only has he been productive with Tua, he's made the entire offense go, you know, like and and he's done it in different ways. I think, like I said on the show last week, that, that, you know, he's great in contested situations too. He's just like a pretty perfect wide receiver, in my opinion. And, I mean, shoot, I'd probably say the same thing about A.J. Brown, that he's a near perfect wide receiver. To your point, like, I don't – this is one of those questions where I hate giving an answer because it's like I don't want to – shade the other guy so allow me to say some nice things about aj brown here (laughs) you're so right that in tennessee it was he was almost typecasted as like a yak merchant and even in college like um scott who i work with at yahoo posted today like a scouting report of him being compared to like juju smith schuster because he played out of the slot in college like um he's a little bit better than juju smith schuster (laughs) aj brown (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and and again, that ability to beat man and press coverage is, w- which is what always to me had him c- cracking and knocking on the door of being a, a top ten, um, elite number one wideout in the NFL, and and he's been co- sort of that's been exposed more and more in Philly than it was in Tennessee. But he was this guy with the Titans. It was just a different offense and different quality quarterback level as well.
0: Yeah, the quarterback play obviously changed the the dynamic quite a bit. And uh, to be honest with you, too, uh, I think to be fair to some of his critics, too, man, he has been unbelievably healthy in Philadelphia, too. Yeah, right. So that was part of I think the calculus. And obviously, Tennessee was just flat out wrong uh, about it. But Oof. again, if we are taking the full calculus at at that moment in time, you know, certainly I think when you see a Bigger player like AJ Brown is, and you know, he has a little bit of a history with injuries. There's cause for concern. There is cause for concern, and I think that is at least fair and should be brought up in the whole. Oh, Tennessee's stupid for making the trade. It's a bad trade, guys. I'm not yeah. trying to justify that. It's a t- terrible trade, horrible trade, but that was also part of the calculus. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, anyways. I, no, I would ahead. say that. Oh no, yeah.
1: I would just say that different teams have different medical standards too. Like there might have been real concern in Tennessee's building that these are chronic problems that are going to hamper him, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the course of his career. And by the way, like you know, knock on wood, we haven't seen it happen yet. But right, maybe right. injuries creep back up at some point. Like I really, I mean, God, I hope not. I, AJ Brown's one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Period. So like, hopefully, we never see this yeah. crop up. But. This is the thing when you are the GM right and you listen to your medical people and and they might be sure. making a sound evaluation it just like the human body's a, a tough one you know so yeah. I think it's, it's right. a tough breaking news guys it's difficult right that's yeah. why we're all here talking on a podcast about football and not pursuing our medical de- degrees james so <laughs> um yeah it's it's a difficult one i think obviously yeah. tennessee just has to live with it you know they fired the general manager that made the move um right i read a i read a report today i don't know how much how much truth there is in, in this. And I don't even remember who said it. So maybe I'm just talking about tweets, but like that there was an offer in place between um, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans for Derrick Henry and the Titans owner is the one who vetoed it. Um, you know, I don't, again, I don't know how true that is or not, but it is something that at least I've seen uh, being thrown out there. And yeah, I bet ownership has a pretty, pretty bad feeling about like dealing their star <laughs> players and um shoot it like even if the titans and we'll talk about them later in the show even if the titans are able to look at themselves in the mirror and be like yeah we're probably not winning the super bowl this year it still feels really bad if like you deal you deal aj brown and they turn around and he's playing in the super bowl next year then like you deal yeah derrick henry to the baltimore ravens and he's lifting a lombardi trophy in a few months like that stuff really grates on ownership after a while
0: yeah, still, still a terrible way to run a franchise, though. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I, I mean, yeah, evaluate absolutely. your players and ho- and you put faith in the fact that your got your talent evaluators um, have done their job. Okay, now obviously they didn't do their job properly. You know, you could argue here with AJ Brown, but uh, uh, again, you talk about an aging running back with a million miles on the tread. You're already you're already working them into a 50-50 split now with a rookie running back it's like what are we doing out here you know <laughs> obviously the coaching staff doesn't think that Derrick Henry can play a full complement of snaps dude I, it, anyways whatever that's for a different podcast um all right final question on this whole uh, you know Tyreek Hill AJ Brown thing uh, by the way i just want to make it clear i'm going with Tyreek Hill no shade against AJ Brown but Tyreek Hill just the way that he warps opposing defenses you're not finding that okay AJ Brown what he's doing it's incredible. I think we've seen it before from other great wide receivers. I don't think we've ever seen what we're seeing with Tyreek Hill. The fact that he's just completely destroying coverages with what he's doing, his both his uh, separation at the line of scrimmage and his, the separation at the stem of his routes in combination with his speed, in combination with contested catch, in combination um, with his touchdown-making ability uh, – I don't think we've seen that in the NFL. Maybe not since Randy Moss. Maybe yeah. not since Randy Moss. Um, and man, this is—it's just incredible uh, what we're seeing between these two wide receivers. But yeah, it's—it's it's crazy. Let me just throw a couple of stats here out for you. Tyreek Hill—he's uh, already over a thousand. We already know that. Uh, ten fourteen right now in terms of receiving yards. Uh, nine thirty nine for AJ Brown. So he too is on pace right now. Uh, for two thousand plus receiving yards. Puka Nakua is number three at seven ninety five. Stefan Diggs is at seven forty eight. DJ Moore is at six ninety one. I mean, six ninety one compared to one thousand and fourteen. That is, I mean, come on, bro. Like what is happening? That's the difference between one and five in the NFL. Dang, man, he's going nuts. He's going absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah, it's insane. I mean, he truly is doing like unbelievable stuff right now. And, um, you know, I know you have on the dock. Like, are these the two best receivers in the NFL? Right. I mean, I think right are now they? these guys. I think right now these guys are playing the best football of any two receivers. I mean, the guy would have had, and you know, we did rank these dudes on the show. The guy had it number one in the NFL is currently not playing football because he's on injured reserve. And in Justin Jefferson, I think he right. was having the best season of any receiver last year. But this is hey yo, this is why we put stuff in tiers, right? Okay, mm. this is why mm. uh, when I say there is an a elite tier of receivers. That's why that it's like a group of coming into this year. I think it was a group of seven for me. It was Justin Jefferson. It was Steph Diggs. Uh, it was uh, Jamar Chase. It was Devonte Adams. It was um you know Tyree Kill, AJ Brown, um and Cooper Cup. You know, so that was the group of seven. Right now, you would reorder those, and you would yeah. definitely put Tyree Kill and AJ Brown at the top. But maybe by the end, the start of next season. It's back to, you know, Justin Jefferson and Steph Diggs. But right now, yeah, these two guys are playing the best football position.
0: Um, I want to stay in this game because A.J. Brown's just an absolute destroyer of the Washington Commanders. I mean, just comes down like, you know, Thor with the hammer and just absolutely blowing these guys up on the outside. Um, But on the opposite sideline, John Dotson, man, he came to life. He came back to life, resurrected, uh, in this ball game against Philadelphia, uh, a a really impressive performance, right? So we're talking about a guy in Jahan Dotson who saw 10 targets, had eight grabs for one Oh eight and a touchdown in this ball game. Um, and again was second in targets next to Terry McLaurin who had 12, who converted five for 63 in a touch, but, Um, I want to ask you, is this something that is sustainable in your eyes or is it more the fact that Curtis Samuel, um, again, limited to just 11 routes on the entire ball game, four targets, four grabs for 22. Um, is it more a fact that Curtis Samuel not available or is this just more Dotson actually just bald?
1: Well, I think Dotson played really well. He, he had a couple of really great moments. Um, Jameson Crowder had seven for 95 and a touch, you know, playing know. in replacement of <laughs> Curtis Samuel. So it wasn't right. as if like Samuel and Dotson couldn't have gone off together. It's just like, yo, this is what the offense can look like when your quarterback takes one sack. It can look like this, you know, j- Sam Howell was on pace to take 97 sacks. He takes one in this game against the Vaughn Philadelphia Eagles defensive front. And, right. and yeah, then you can unleash your great pass catchers. You know, Terry McLaurin, Probably should have had an even bigger day. 12 targets, five for 63 and a touch. Um, there were a two on that final ish driver late in the game where I think Sam Howell definitely could have given him a better ball to yep. make it like a much easier catch. Like maybe McLaurin should have grabbed one or both of those. Uh, but again make it easier on your star receiver don't make it like the most difficult catch possible which is what right. Sam Howell did there so it wasn't even like a perfect game from Sam Howell but again when this guy isn't getting driven into the dirt five six seven times every single week <laughs> and killing three yeah. four of those drives like yeah this is what's available to Jahan Dotson and all of these guys like I don't think there's ever been a problem with Jahan Dotson's play other than, yeah, there's probably a few drops here and there that you can nitpick. You could pretty much do that with any receiver. Um, So I think Dotson, like, this is why I really don't ever want to give up on guys that are still playing, like, every single snap and we know are good at football. Like, anybody that's watched Jahan Dotson play football, dating back to Penn State, knows he's good at the game. And it's not as if, like, oh, he was in risk of losing playing time or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, obviously, that we see more games like this from a box score perspective down the stretch because it's certainly available, again, when the quarterback is upright.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, too. Who would have ever predicted this game script in terms of Sam Howell being able to stay on his feet, right? I mean, the fact that uh, Philadelphia was top five in sack totals and Washington was far and away the worst you know, offensive line in terms of sacks given up um, – you just figured uh, this was going to be an absolute, you know, bloodbath in terms of the, the, the sack department. And it just wasn't the case. <laughs> it was weird. It was what a nuts. weird, what a weird game. Eight, tu- eight passing touchdowns between these two quarterbacks, four each for Jalen Hurts and Sam Howell. Uh, this was an absolute shootout. Uh, and it was great to see, especially from a uh, fantasy perspective, um, as we are uh, apt to talk about uh, every now and again on this show. Um, okay, we'll stay off the quarterback uh, theme here. We talk about these uh, two quarterbacks. There, uh, what about in Minnesota? Kirk Cousins blows out his ACL, or oh. excuse me, his uh, his Achilles. He's uh, what a brutal injury for Minnesota man. But he's thirty six years old next year. Okay, if he plays, most likely I would have to imagine this man starts this next season on the pup. Considering we're what in week eight, and he blows out his Achilles again. Remember, this is not. This is not Aaron Rodgers who blew it out four snaps into the game, right? He, he This is now two months after that, right? So uh, we would most likely see Kirk Cousins on the po- – I don't know. We'll see. I'm not a doctor. But uh, w- with the history of the Achilles – Well, it depends in, on at, if he can get history.
1: a handle – if he can get a hand on uh, Rodgers's dolphin porn or sounds or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> because you've seen Rodgers. I mean, oh, not like Rodgers is about ready to take the field or anything, but he's at right. least, you know, like taking – Doing dropbacks and stuff, right? And throwing free games.
0: I'll believe it when
1: I see it, man. I I I, I know I know, I know, but at least everybody does say like he looks like he is actually ahead of schedule. I'm I'm mostly joking, but like I mean I don't know. Kirk is a I pretty know. upstanding, moral guy. Uh, kind of more straight laced than Aaron Rodgers. Sir- <laughs> Kirk Cousins <laughs> is not doing a damn darkness retreat on like hallucinogens or whatever. But maybe oh he can goodness. make an exception and, and yeah. get some of the cassette tapes of of sure, Rodgers's, you know, is. Dolphins dolphin sex noises or whatever.
0: Oh my God. Um, all right, listen, we'll bring it back to Kirk Cousins, but I, l- let me just throw it out there. Okay. Cause again, I, I'm, I'm alluding to it here, but he is going to be 36 years old next year. Um, what's your opinion here? What's the probability you think Kirk Cousins actually plays next season? Um, uh,
1: 60, 60% he plays next season. I mean, oh, I see, think that, he,
0: that's where I'm at. I thought I was like, I thought I was way low on him, though. I think I think most everyone assumes he's going to play like ninety nine percent. He's going to play. I, and I just wait. You mean, like start
1: week one or no, or no, no,
0: just, actually plays in the NFL.
1: Oh, like one hundred percent. He okay. plays in the NFL. i uh, sure. Okay. I mean, dude, he is the king of getting the bag. He's going to get the bag like crazy this year. You know, I, I don't care if he's got an Achilles injury. There's still so many teams that would be willing to sign him, by the way, like. I think the Vikings would be really willing to work out a deal with Kirk cousins, man. They love Kirk cousins, you know, um, which I feel so bad for Kirk that like, this was kind of his moment in the sun, you know, um, it's been like, well, well, I mean, I guess, but they kind of fought back at this point in the season. Um, he had him kind of coming back from a, from a real disastrous start. And, And I'm not saying he's totally absolved from all of it, but, I kind of think Kirk has had a like a it's been a little bit of a Kirkassance this the last maybe year and a half. <laughs> Kirkassant. I don't know. People are like he's getting interviewed on the pregame shows about Creed and all this stuff. Like literally. No, it's, it's
0: true. No, you're right. And the in the, the, the in the chains. Kirk chains. Yeah, the chains, yeah, the yeah, Netflix yeah, yeah. quarterback show. Like Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And and I really think, and I said this a lot in the offseason, I do think that last season was sneakily one of his best years even though it wasn't the same production and like from an efficiency standpoint it wasn't there they're asking him to do a lot in that offense and they were asking him to do a lot this year And and then he starts like I think once he started stacking good games um and obviously beating the 49ers on Monday Night Football but like stacking good games without Justin Jefferson that was really was like oh wow maybe Kirk is really like, I think people are starting to figure out, like, Kirk is doing a lot for this Vikings offense. And, yeah. you know, Kevin O'Connell clearly loves coaching him, clearly loves the way he runs his offense. I think O'Connell yep. is kind of almost underrated as an offensive play caller and offensive designer. I, agree. I totally really like agree. what they do in Minnesota. Um, and I think Kirk is just the perfect trigger man for it. Like, I kind of – I thought we were trending towards, like – all of this talk about are they going to trade Kirk Cousins at the deadline before he walks in free agency and they get nothing for him i'm like i think they were per- they probably want to bring back Kirk Cousins how much better are they going to do than damn Kirk Cousins i don't know if the injury like throws off the timeline cuz they could really yeah. they could really go into the tank now and then end up with a yeah. top 5 draft pick and maybe you're just at that point trying to start over but i don't know man i, I you could tell even in the i watched the post game like uh locker room speech from Kevin O'Connell and that guy's like they won the game, and they're, he's like barely holding it together. The team is so solemn in there. Like yeah, after, yeah, yeah. Because they know what the deal is with Kirk. Totally. So, I don't know, man. I, I feel bad for Kirk. I think he was having a little bit of a Kirkassance here at this point.
0: Um. All right. Uh. In, in terms of where he plays, where would you like to see him play? Where do you think he ends up? I mean, there's always been those rumors that – you know Kyle Shanahan, who coached him in Washington, maybe he, he goes to San Francisco, but Brock Purdy's there, and he's although he's been struggling in the last few games, too. Right? So, Kirk Cousins, yeah. where do you think he ends up? What's a good fit for him? Yeah, I don't really get the San Francisco thing because I think Purdy
1: is, yeah, he's thrown some interceptions the last couple of uh weeks, but otherwise, I think he's actually kind of played really well. I think he, like, I enjoyed watching him in that Bengals game, other than the turnovers and I don't want to sit here and like yada yada quarterbacks turnover issue, but yeah, um, it was like he was living on the right side of variance to start variance and luck to start this year. And now he's on for the sure. other side of it. Um, yeah. So I think he could end up being fine. Obviously I think Atlanta is going to be sort of the, the, the spot oh, I want to see almost any, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, okay. but um any sort of like competent quarterback go to, I mean, dude, we got Taylor Heineke for a couple of moments uh like the, in the second half this yeah. past week, you know, was Desmond Ritter benched? Was Arthur Smith being conservative with the concussion protocol? That's a separate conversation. Either way, I'm like, ooh, Taylor Heineke's back there. How interesting. <laughs> like Taylor Heineke is Taylor Heineke. I think like a um I think Kirk Cousins would obviously be a much bigger upgrade there. But yeah, I mean yeah. he'll probably end up in New England or some some nonsense like that as Bill Belichick tries to make like a a, a late push to get the wins record or whatever. That'll probably what happen. <laughs>
0: Um, all right, where do the Vikings go from here, man? Do you think they end up shutting down Justin Jefferson? To again, as as you mentioned, like it's a very deep quarterback class. You know, I I think they would be smart, uh, to be honest with you, to just tank it up and um and yeah. secure a really really high draft pick. If they don't get, you know, Drake May or or if Caleb Williams goes number one overall, could Minnesota sneak in there and? And, and grab a drink you know what i mean like it's just a deep quarterback class where you know if you get a top five pick you're in pretty good shape uh to find a, a potential franchise quarterback
1: yes i do think there's like a clear one two and i think you could put drake may and caleb williams in any order there um we gotta stop using the word generational okay because you know people are like Caleb williams generational prospect and then like he's having a fine season so far this year yes yeah. he stinks and right. now people are like right was he i mean is he does he stink it's like i mean probably not but but i think generational <laughs> is just a term we've got to like flick out of our vocabulary yeah. that would be great yeah but i yeah. do think good quarterback prospect. Drake may, good quarterback prospect. Um, I think you could rank those guys in any order at this point and probably feel pretty good about it. But there doesn't seem, to, while there seems to be a bevy of options, there doesn't seem to be like a clear cut number three yet. And look, I'm speaking so far out of turn with this. I'm just saying like kind of the general vibe of this. Obviously, I'm no quarterback yeah, yeah, expert yeah. and I'm no quarterback right, right, right. draft prospect expert. But if there's no like clear cut number three prospect, you're going to be in a tough spot if you're picking like fourth in the draft. You know, because, yeah.
0: but, but again, as we see here, October 30th, recording this, you know, and I know <laughs> when, when when it's March 1st, all of a sudden there's going to be about two or three guys that we've never yes, heard of yeah. that are going to uh, shoot up draft boards and end up being like top, considering the top 10. It's going to happen because that happens happen, yeah. every yeah. that's the quarterback industrial complex, man. It's going to
1: happen. I know, and this, this is where I come back to, like, if you're the Vikings, unless you really bottom out and you are, like, the first or second pick in the draft um, and you're you're just like, all right, cool, we're just moonwalking to Drake May. I mean, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you're probably going to to, to Quesi Odofamenta, the GM, every day, and you're like, I get it. I know you really want to take one of these quarterback prospects, but at the same time, dude, I mean, come on. Look at what we're talking about. Look at what James Coe's talking about here because you know they listen to this podcast. Look at what James <laughs> Coe's talking about here, and he's talking about – all right yeah everybody some there's a random riser every year and like sometimes that guy is good sometimes that guy is you know jake locker christian ponder or something like that right right? and not to bring up ponder that's like ptsd sometimes it's mitch Trubisky, you know and yeah and and do you really want to ride that roller coaster or just like please i love kirk just bring him back (laughs) let's <laughs> just bring him back i really like coaching this guy We'll we'll yeah. groom a we'll groom a third yeah. round pick in the meantime just let me kick that can farther and farther down the road Um uh, no but yeah realistically i do think they're such an interesting team because they've talked about this like competitive rebuild right and then they yeah. won way too many games than they should have last year um like they they just lived on the, the hot side of variants and then this year they kind of came back to the pack, but then they started
0: to win more games. And, and they're sure. just in a
1: weird spot as a team, man. It's, it's really hard to project where they'll be like a year from now. Right.
0: Uh, I just find it interesting in regards to Justin Jefferson, because the team does have an interesting case either way to either shut him down or just bring him back as soon as possible. You know? Yeah. Have,
1: oh, and, like, and James, he has an interesting case too, because – it's not a secret that he's upset about the fact that he didn't get like a mega contract. Correct. Coming in, right. in this year. I mean, when Schefter puts out the whole, like, I don't know, maybe he could sit like he doesn't, Schefter doesn't just make like, exactly. Doesn't just have a thought. And let me tweet exactly. that out. Obviously exactly. someone said that to him. So yeah. he has a case on it as well.
0: Yeah, no. And and that's the whole point, right? So like, I I just wonder uh, what happens with Justin Jefferson uh, and this Minnesota Vikings team uh, moving forward. Um, Okay. So everyone's uh, really excited or was really excited about Addison. Look, let me just put it to you this way. When Kirk is out, Justin Jefferson out, this whole offense is going to stink. They can't run the ball with any, you know, effectiveness. So they, it's a team that has literally Matt, no offensive identity whatsoever. Right? They can't run the ball, so they're not going to be a run first team. And with no Justin Jefferson, no Kirk Cousins, they're not going to be able to pass the ball either. This might be yep. the most disgusting offense in the NFL. And there's a lot of disgusting offenses in the NFL. But this one may be the most disgusting offense in the NFL <laughs> moving forward. Okay. So that being said, uh, Jordan Addison, who has had a really, really good rookie campaign, is he actually good enough? To be productive without Cousins, in your opinion, Matt Harmon. No,
1: it's not really necessarily anything to do with Jordan Addison uh, necessarily. Just like we haven't even mentioned the names of the guys that might be replacing Kirk Cousins, right? It was Jaron Hall, a fifth round rookie that took snaps for him in relief last week. Right. I mean... That's definitely not the answer. And Kevin O'Connell didn't even like commit to Jaron Hall when he asked right. about it in the post game right. presser. Right. Um, they have uh, Sean Mannion, I think, is on their practice squad. Sean Mannion has like kicked around this coaching tree forever. You know, um, I he, thought he was.
0: Uh, I legitimately thought he was an assistant coach. I, I swear to God, I thought Sean Mannion had basically like uh, like unofficially retired and like came up the coaching ranks, man. No, he is on their. He's on their
1: practice squad. <laughs> Sean Mannion? I mean, he's only thirty-one he, years old. Shoot, Kevin O'Connell's not even that far off of his play. That's group. what i
0: maybe, maybe he can that's take what I mean. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll just shoot it up. That's great, dude. Oh my God, what a story that yeah. would be. That'd be amazing, yo. Uh, I people need to pull up a picture of Sean Mannion, too. By the way, I swear to God, dude, he looks older than Kevin O'Connell. Yeah,
1: O'Connell is thirty-eight. And he really he really does look like he could still suit up. I mean he wasn't a good player or whatever, but no, um, no, yeah. no, no. He, he and he is a giant like six five dude. Sean Mannion he is six six. Um, yeah. Um yeah, no. Those guys definitely look like they could be hanging out in the quarterback uh, coaching funny. room together. And 100%. lastly, like, you know, there have already been whispers about like Colt McCoy, um, who is currently oh, hosting a show on YouTube. With Josh Norris, uh, an underdog fantasy over there, and it's a great show. People should check it out. Um, but like, that's where Cur- Colt McCoy is at this point in his oh career. My God, um, but honestly, like, if they signed Colt McCoy, I'd feel way better than like the Jaron Hall. You know, Sean Mannion, Nick Mullins is on IR for them. Yeah, he can come back in week ten. Ten. I yeah, feel, week ten. I don't know what Colt McCoy has left. Again, he's there's no way.
0: YouTube. There's
1: he no way. YouTube show, but he. Um, he was with Kevin O'Connell like in Washington uh, when he was coaching quarterbacks there. Okay. Um, okay. That's interesting. Know, that's interesting. Connective, connective tissue. tissue. Yeah. There's yeah, connective yeah, that's tissue there. Yeah. He's he's another guy like Sean Mannion, but a little more notable, has kicked around this coaching tree for quite some time and um, has a good relationship with Kevin O'Connell. Uh, so,
0: God. Don't don't let like don't let it be like Philip Rivers out of nowhere coming out of retirement or Matt Ryan coming out of retirement. I could actually see that happening, man. Um, And and obviously, anytime there's an opening, you know, people start whispering the name of Carson Wentz as well because he's hanging out out there as well. But I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel like Minnesota might make a call to like Philip Rivers or like, Uh. you know, Matt Ryan, which would just be gross. I think they're too
1: screwed for that. Like, I think they're, I don't think they're good enough to do that. I get why the 49ers would, if like something happened to Purdy or whatever, like that that might be a team that, like, okay, we're trying to win a damn Super Bowl right now. Like, let's get Phillip Rivers off the high school football sidelines and (laughs) let's get Matt Ryan out the CBS (laughs) booth. Like, let's go. I think Minnesota is a little Uh, far off from that, but agree. The the Colt McCoy thing does make sense because I mean, he did just start games last year. You know, yes, he did. He did. So
0: so, and he was like a last minute, like last second cut, right? For Arizona, was yeah, there was for Arizona. there was talk of yeah yeah, there was talk of him uh, potentially starting there as well before they went with Joshua Dobbs. Hey, last note I just want to make on Kirk Cousins because this is truly incredible, but um, he he is go- going now on six consecutive fully guaranteed years. And I I feel like that's gone under the radar because everyone, when they talk about guaranteed contracts, they don't bring up Kirk Cousins anymore. They bring up Deshaun Watson. (laughs) But Kirk Cousins signed a fully guaranteed three-year deal. Then he signed a fully guaranteed two-year deal. Then he signed a fully guaranteed one-year deal. As Adam Schefter reported this offseason, he has made $231 million over his career, Kirk Cousins has. 99% of it is has been fully guaranteed. He's the absolute king of the finessers, man. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, I, I mean, again, listen, all due respect to Kirk Cousins, okay? Like, you talk about the Kirk or whatever it might be. Totally agree with you in that regard, you know? But 99% of his $231 million fully guaranteed? Yo, that is some serious bag work right there from Kirk Cousins, dude.
1: That's what I'm saying, dog. You think he's not playing next year? (laughs) No way. If he's got one more lemon to squeeze the juice out of with a free agency run, like because they can't franchise tag him. They're definitely not if he's coming off an Achilles tear. like He'll get – some team will be paying Kirk Cousins, even if he is coming off an Achilles tear uh, at this point. And, yeah, he's not Aaron Rodgers' ancient either. So yeah. um he's not a young man, that's for sure. No, what no, he, no, he's no. 35, he'll be yeah. 36 next year, but yep um I still think we've got one more we've got a few more million to tack on to that total for Kirk.
0: All right, Matt, let me stay in that same game because Minnesota beats uh Green Bay at Green Bay, by the way. Um, and boy, the last few weeks, Green Bay's offense has looked so bad. Mm. <laughs> it's a question now, it's gotten so bad where Um, it's really a question as to, okay, where do you assign the blame, right? Some people say Jordan love stinks. Other people are caping up for Jordan love, as you can imagine. Um, and saying he's got no help from the wide receivers. All right. Let me ask you, because you're the wide receiver guy. Uh, how bad are these collect is this collection of wide receivers? Um, and, and where do you parse out the blame? How much of it should we assign to the first round quarterback? In uh, an era, parent to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, and how much should we assign uh, to not just the depth but also the health of these wide receivers?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty bad group, man. Um, to the point that it's really tough to get a fair evaluation of Jordan Love, who I don't think has been great uh, by any means, and I think he was running pretty hot to start this year. Like, I think you definitely see the tools with Jordan Love, and I actually think you see some of the development. From Jordan love like clearly so far this year um, he's looked like a I, I don't know he's, he's looked like a quarterback that has developed a little bit he's got some very Rogers ish tendencies to his game um, mm-hmm. so you you think he's learned those uh, uh, over the years so they're sitting behind Rodgers. the problem is there's just really no margin for error on this offense like it's not mm-hmm. a group that like oh yeah we can live with the lumps of our quarterback because everything around him is really good there's not a lot of good going on right now in, in Green Bay. Like Christian Watson, I, I mean, congratulations. You got duped by yards per route run on that one. Like uh, he, he's, a, <laughs> he's a quality player, but he is okay. not close to being a number one receiver. And like yeah. we talked about this in the offseason where there, there's not a lot of evidence on his rookie year film that he was anything more than like a big play vertical stretch guy and a yak player and you can do that stuff but like if you're gonna be the top tier number one receiver in this offense and like be funneled eight to ten targets every single week no question about it you gotta get open in the short to intermediate area and like christian watson doesn't do that no by the way he's inconsistent with his ball skills i mean there are so many plays that he left on the field against the vikings like by just not being a little more physical at the catch point um and that's been a consistent theme all season long. And like, that is the variance that he brings to the table. I just don't think you can have a player that brings that much variance to your offense and him be your number one receiver, set it and forget it every single week. And he's a player in his second year. Like He can get better. But then here's the problem. Their other starting receiver, Romeo Dobbs, is in his second year. Jaden Reed. Mm-hmm. I like Jaden Reed. But he's left plays on the field. And he's a freaking rookie receiver. And he's a guy they're right. counting on a ton. Even their fourth receiver, Dontavian Wicks, who's had a couple of moments so far this year, He's a rookie. They have a rookie tight end. I mean, it's just absurdly young to the point that, like, if it would not be surprising if a couple of these guys hit, but a couple of them didn't. Right now it looks like they're all hitting to certain degrees, but nobody's really hitting a very high ceiling right now. Like, again, I've seen good things out of Jaden Reed, but, um, you know, he's also dropped a couple passes. He's run the wrong route a couple of times. Um, But he's a developmental player there's just no room for any development on this offense because everybody is developing if that makes sense.
0: So you talk about uh, developmental players and, and where these guys are kind of like in the pecking order. You know, you look at Romeo Dobbs who for, I would say just visually, you know, it looks like he's built the most chemistry I think with Jordan love. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and last year in 2022, this is a guy that you were, you scored as having a fifth percentile score against man coverage, a 24th percentile score against zone coverage, a ninth percentile score against press coverage, right? So this is not a guy that's creating any kind of separation, whether we're talking about man zone press, like it's just not happening with Romeo Dobbs. And I will say for Dobbs too,
1: I do think the last four games of his sample were kind of impacted by coming back from a high ankle sprain like mm-hmm. i've added at least one game of his to the in-season data and it's better than what we saw last season but still not good like i still don't think he's ever going to be more than a slightly below average league set like below league average separator which is fine when you draft this guy on the third day of the draft and he's a, a player you're actually getting a pretty decent return from but He's their like best receiver, right? Like yeah, At this point, right, I think he's right, probably right, their right. most consistent guy. That's a huge issue at this point when that guy who probably profiles as a good number three receiver is your is most your consistent one. player right. and is your probably your number one. Um, man, it, it's a rough spot. By the way, they don't run the ball really well. I don't know what the deal nope. with Aaron Jones is. Um, their offensive line is not even close to the unit that they expected it nope. to be. Um, yeah. So that's problematic too. There's just like, I think we'll get to a point at the end of the year that like if they don't, if they haven't seen like, if they don't get better play at a Jordan Love period, I think they probably look elsewhere, at least add some competition to the mix here because sure. they sign him to a deal where he's actually not making a ton of money next year. Um, he's actually making like backup quarterback money with that new deal they gave him. But um, still, I think this is a really tough environment to get a a good read on him.
0: Yeah, we talked about Romeo Dobbs. And then what about Christian Watson now? Again, uh, just about 35th percentile uh, in both man and zone coverage, right? So um, uh, a, a below well below league average separator against both man and zone coverage. If there's anywhere um, where his 2022 profile shows a lot of promise, obviously it would be in over the top, a 62% success rate on the nine, 70% on the corner and 72.4% on the post. Those are all above league average numbers. Those are really good. Um, especially I think on the nine route, that's uh that's where he ran 21% of his routes last year, Matt. Um, and obviously was extremely successful, uh, in that regard. And I just want to remind people, and I know if you listen to this podcast, you probably already know this, but when Matt does this, it's independent of quarterback play. That's what it makes this tool. So powerful and, and obviously Rodgers delivered in over the top two. Um, and, and both of these guys, I think their skill sets last year really matched up pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think that that's the thing is that Rodgers was doing a lot of heavy lifting in terms of his confidence to push the ball downfield. Um mm-hmm. And, and getting it to just like the right place. um, I think this offense just doesn't have any of that confidence with love right now. And it's understandable again, because of how young everybody is here.
0: <laughs> it's just that he's so off right now. Jordan love <laughs> yeah. on these deep passes. They're not even close. I mean, these are just a hundred percent prayer balls. They're just, let's just throw it up and see what happens. I mean, there's, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking out of turn on this, but it doesn't seem like there's any kind of like anticipation or accuracy on these deep balls. Like it, it's the I mean, in he's a bizarre world Joe Burrow, you know, where Joe Burrow's so good about placing these balls. And it's like, even if he doesn't have the best arm strength in the world, by the way, I think Jordan Love's got better arm strength than Joe Burrow, right? But Joe Burrow, it doesn't matter, like he's just so good at placing these deep shots in over the top to his playmakers down the field. It's like the literal opposite of that where <laughs> Jordan Love's got Christian Watson streaking down the side and he has no idea how to get him the ball. He's just throwing it out there and just hoping he, his guy gets it, man. I don't know. I don't know if that's what you're seeing, but golly, that's, yeah, this offense looks, it's, it's a hope and a prayer offense, man. Like it's not good.
1: Yeah. It looks lost, man. And I don't think they find it with just, again, all the inexperience that's around them.
0: Yeah. No experience. You, I, I love the point that you brought up about the offensive line, What's the? I go back to Minnesota, not having a, an identity now. I don't know what the identity is of this Green Bay offense. They can't run the ball. This is the worst year that we've ever seen AJ Dell. It's the worst he's ever played in his young career. Obviously, Aaron Jones is banked up. The offensive line, when you lose Bakhtiari, uh, potentially forever now, which is sad because he's such a great player. Um, you know, Jenkins has been in and out of the line. It's been, bro, it's been so bad. The injuries, uh, across the board and it's just been, it's been brutal. It's been absolutely brutal. Jewelry isn't
1: a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment. Every time they see it, blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price.
0: All right, let's turn the page there. That's the negative. I want to get back to the positive here. Uh, how about Nuke Hopkins, man? <laughs> I just went absolutely bonkers with Will Levis. By the way, Nuke in that Oilers uniform, Matt, I mean, I'm just, I'm over here. I'm fanning myself, bro. Like it it just, him catching deep touchdowns in that Oilers outfit, man. It just, it looks so good, man. It, it's like hanging in the Louvre, baby. It's artwork, with new Copkins streaking down the sidelines, making big plays in that Oilers Jersey.
1: Yeah. And look, will Levis gave him chances downfield. I mean, I've never seen a guy just fire the ball like that. <laughs> it was crazy aggressive. I think it was like 11.5 air yards per pass attempt, uh, yeah. which was the most among any quarterback Corey next gen stats uh, this past week, which that fits with the will Levis mold. Um, like the ability to just stand in the pocket, hang in there and shoot it downfield. Yep. Um, is super impressive for, for Will Levis. I think we still got a long way to go before we're like, all right, Will Levis is the answer in Tennessee. You know, we need to right, see right, a right, lot right. more out of him. Right. Um, but I do think it revealed the fact that like Hopkins is not done. You know, Hopkins is still a really good receiver. He's not the player he used to be. Obviously, that's clear, that's obvious. That there there was really no argument there. But he also hasn't just completely fallen off the cliff. Like, he's still a player that can win. Um, in critical areas. He's still a player that like we talked about this a few weeks ago. I feel like where we said, oh man, that was like a vintage DeAndre Hopkins game against yeah. the the Colts, right? Um that player's still in there. We clearly saw it with Will Levis, who again, not perfect. Like I'm I'm not going over my skis here. I think there are still a lot of questions to answer, but we saw a quarterback that like Ryan Tannehill had two touchdown passes to, to so far this year. Like Will yeah. Levis had four on Sunday. Like there are <laughs> there are right. plays to be made. There are right. guys to um open uh, open the, the the options here and obviously I think Will Levis did that on Sunday.
0: Yeah, this was a uh, New Copkin's first uh three touchdowns. Obviously, he had here on on in week number 8 and it was the first three of his uh entire season. Uh that's how bad the Tennessee passing offense has been but yeah it was against the colts where he had eight catches on 11 targets for 140 yards averaging a cool 17 and a half yards per reception in this game against atlanta man (laughs) he averaged 32 yards per reception matt Harmon, um crazy a it's just I mean that that is bombing. I almost bonkers wish he didn't stuff. catch
1: that fourth pass just so it was like three catches, three touchdowns. What a cool <laughs>
0: stat line. Um, but I'll I'll ask you this. Is this something that you think is sustainable or is this an aging player reaching back one more time for greatness and again just uh, you know, more of a flute game in your opinion? No, I, I again I think we've seen
1: if you watch Hopkins just in isolation, like he looks like a still a quality starting outside receiver. He's not mm-hmm. the player he used to be. That's obvious. That's going to be the case. Like, dude, I mean, Keenan Allen putting up crazy numbers in L.A. right now. He's not the player he used to be, okay? Right. like, But right. he's still a very useful player, and even like a plus starter in that slot receiver role. And I think mm-hmm. the same is is said for for New Hopkins here, where he's not one of the elite receivers in the, in the NFL anymore, but he's still crazy really good and he's still crazy capable of winning those contested catches he's still capable of getting downfield like some of that stuff is fluky this past week of course I get that but overall I'm still I was very bullish on Hopkins still being a plus starting receiver coming into the year and nothing that I've seen from him in isolation in a Titans uniform has changed that for me we just need a competent quarterback behind a bad offensive line to get the ball to him, I think Will Levis, like I said, a lot still to go, a lot of more boxes to check, but I feel much better about Will Levis being that guy than this version of Ryan Tannehill.
0: Uh, two, Two points I want to make here. One, how bad must Will Levis practice? Because yo, how on God's green earth did Malik Willis pass this man on the depth chart? right like and by the way that that narrative happened very early it was established very early that no will levis is not ready to play malik willis is going to be second on the depth chart um this was not like a recent development this this that that happened very early on i'm just wondering like is will levis the worst practice player of all time because dude yo I'm not saying he just went, you know, it's not like he, again, I don't know how sustainable it is, but dude, he played really good football on Sunday against an Atlanta defense. By the way, Matt, this is my second point. Atlanta's defense, especially on the outside, has been great this year. I think Mike Vrabel
1: has his guys and and, and gives veteran deference. You know, I kind of think he's that coach and maybe Will Levis just need to earn you're giving a little deference, more, You're
0: giving deference to Malik Willis. The yeah, the lady. guy that you just literally did
1: this to last year, right? I get it. Look, right. I, I
0: totally – I
1: understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, I definitely think he's – like. I mean he's even still as of today saying like, yeah, we'll have to see where Ryan Tannehill is before we right. name Will Levis the starter for Thursday Night Football. But – um, I think he's. I think he really wants Ryan Tannehill to be the guy for whatever reason. I think Vrabel just has his dudes, and and there's a little bit of that. And he just wasn't. You know, I think Vrabel had to be maybe talked into the Will Levis pick by new general manager Randathon. Sure. But hey, if he right. continues to play like this, like I think Vrabel will be fine with it.
0: Uh, yeah, unbelievable stuff. I, I'm so impressed because I, I tell you, uh, we talk about Atlanta versus outside wide receivers. Okay, coming into this week, uh, they had allowed a 57.7% completion rate to the outside wide receivers. That was seventh best in the NFL. They had limited uh, outside wide receivers to the second fewest yards per game. OK, the, the fifth lowest yards per target, the fifth fewest receptions per game, all of that to the outside wide receivers. Yo, they just got absolutely destroyed by Nuke Hawkins on the outside, man. So um, I, again, when I say that's impressive, you also have to keep in mind what the matchup is. When 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 Nuke went nuclear against the Atl- uh, Indianapolis Colts, we've been saying all year long they've got some Kirkland brand dudes on the outside. Listen, Atlanta's not that way, man. Like, they have been playing really, oh, yeah. really good football uh, all year long. So for Nuke to come in and do what he's doing, yo, that was incredibly uh, impressive. And, and man, if they go back to Tannehill at this point, after that game, like, yeah. find out what you got in Will Levis, man. Come on, let's make it happen. Uh, Tennessee is, is this team, Matt, where – I don't know, man. Like, are they not like in no man's land? It's got to be like a very weird place to be in the NFL where they're just, they're so not good enough. uh, They're like uh, at best a borderline playoff team. I mean, there's
1: there's still stuck between two eras, right? Like I think they haven't fully pulled the plug on the Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry era, but they haven't moved on to the next one. Honestly, their best. Like, sometimes injuries create opportunity here, and I think their best bet is for Will Levis to go out there and show, like, he can be the guy that they count on going into next year. Like, build some chemistry with Hopkins, who's on a two-year deal. You know, like, that's the great part about having – I mean, the thing that's kind of crazy is that Will Levis threw for all those yards and threw four touchdowns, and Traylon Burks caught
0: zero passes. That's such a good point. Um, Oh, my gosh. That's such a good point. I didn't even realize like, that. But as right. down bad as we just
1: talked about Christian Watson, as down bad as the Christian Watson bros are, like the Traylon Burks bros are even <laughs> way more down bad. Um, and you know, it's funny. Like these second oh, year series, I think that we talked about them over point. the, over the pod, uh, over on the podcast over the off season where it's like three guys, I think sort of had like some, some positive, some concerning marks in there. Well, hmm, let me say that again. One guy uh, in this group of three of like, all right, I'm not quite sure how good these second year receivers are mm-hmm. um, one of them had and George Pickens had some questionable marks, but some other really really positive marks like his work against press coverage was legit good as a rookie, and he's shown development there, so there was some you know like some concerning marks but some positive ones. then the second one was like christian Watson some positive ones in his ability to win downfield and win after the catch, but some really negative ones I'd put him sort of second in terms of, we're talking about least to most concern. And then the yeah. third was Burks, man, where it was like, I'm not sure what our positive marks are here. And he was clearly <laughs> the one that I said was, I was most yeah. concerned about of this group. And that's why you sign a DeAndre Hopkins because like, yeah, if you have to play Will Levis now, at least he has a guy that like, he can go out there and be like, man coverage, single coverage, Effort like new copkins is down there and like he's a he's a guy like he's maybe a future hall of famer like i can go count on that guy so you're giving him reps that matter man like if we're we're bashing the titans a little bit here for the way they've handled this transition and, and the future and all that stuff right. i think it was a smart move and even though people are like why are they signing new copkins they're not competitive they're not going to the super bowl well you know what if new copkins can help them develop will levis if he can be the man maker for that's for a win will levis that's yeah, a, That's a win. It's a huge win. Huge win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, by the way, alignment data, cause that's what we do on this show. Uh, Traylon Burks there against Atlanta, uh, played, he only ran 12 routes guys. Okay. Um, uh, excuse me. He ran, uh, he ran uh, 17 routes total. Okay. Um, 12 of them were out wide and four, uh, five of them was lined up inside. Okay. So about a 67% outside player, uh, and about thirty-five percent. Uh, as an inside player was Traylon Burks. Uh, obviously, New Hopkins is going to be lining up almost exclusively outside. He's your ex. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and then you know they they're going to work in Nick Nick westbrook akine They're going to you know they brought back Kyle Phillips off IR, I believe, and they worked him in as well. And Kyle Phillips, obviously, an undersized uh slot receiver. So. Um, the fact that you look at Nick Westbrook Akine and Kyle Phillips, and you're saying to yourself, Traylon Burks really can't beat those guys out, right? Cause Westbrook Akine ran 12 routes. Kyle Phillips ran 15 Traylon Burks ran 17 Uh eh, a little bit concerning there a little bit concerning. Cause I don't think anyone's writing home about uh, Nick Westbrook Akine or Kyle Phillips. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, look, Burks'
1: season's far from over and he can turn out to be a fine player, but I just think it's funny that like Will Levis had four touchdown passes and, and Burks was just so completely uninvolved. But um, yeah, man, I think Hopkins, though, pretty nice matchup this week, Thursday Night Football against the Steelers. Uh, they yep. can be beat by outside, like those outside cornerbacks can be beat. So oh, yeah. um, again, it's another opportunity for Will Levis and Hopkins to work on that connection.
0: Yeah, um, and, and Pittsburgh, I believe. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick, I believe, is out of that ballgame yep. as well on yep. Thursday. Um, and coming in uh, into week number eight, Pittsburgh against outside wide receivers um, has allowed the seventh most yards. So it's an interesting matchup. They've allowed the seventh most yards, Matt, but uh, 58% completion rate. That was the eighth best uh, in the NFL. Patrick Peterson, he's a million years old. Uh, he's been up and down, but I think overall still a pretty good player in this system. Joey Porter has been a part-time player for them on the outside as a cornerback, but he's been really, really good. We'll see what happens with Levi Wallace, um, Mm -hmm. who was inactive there in week um, in week eight. I don't know what, I don't know what the deal is. uh, He's not been good. I'll say that. No, he's not been good. Levi Wallace has been bad, which is again, you talk about veteran deference. Maybe that's, why Joey Porter hasn't been playing more because Joey Porter actually has been playing really, really good football. So anyways, uh, we, we may get to see another really good new Hopkins performance. Although if we're talking about potential variants here, I mean, let's keep in mind only six targets. Mm-hmm. For New copkins you know. So it's not as if uh it's not as if they were just peppering this dude with 15 targets here. So I don't know. We'll see, man. Uh interesting. Uh it was an interesting game, certainly to watch, uh, the Atlanta versus Tennessee game, just because of all the storylines that were involved there. Uh Taylor Heineke for Atlanta. Did Desmond Ritter get benched? You know, all these kind of things. And then, of course, Arthur, of course, Arthur Smith won't own up to the fact that he benched Desmond Ritter. You know, it's like Come on, guy. Like, it's okay if you benched him. I think everyone's half expecting you to bench him. It's okay if you just tell people you benched Desmond Ritter. But no. Nope, nope,
1: can't nope, ever nope. be normal. Nothing
0: with the Falcons can no. ever be normal. You can't be normal, which is just, come on. I don't know what's happening out here. Anyways, all right, good show, man. Uh, good stuff here. We'll be back in a couple days here to uh, to kind of preview uh, week number nine as we move forward. But if you have hung with us this long, then we do definitely appreciate you. Whoa, watch out. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you would like and subscribe to the podcast that would be great uh, if you would recommend this podcast to friends and family that would be even better alright that's the show from Matt Harmon I'm James Go we'll see you. and remember it's never too late to chase your dream